It is Locked on Jazz for the, what are we? The, oh, I know, because yesterday was incredible. It's the 3rd of December. The Jazz and the Celtics will preview that a little bit, review what's coming up for the month in December for the Jazz. Points gain a Friday, and John Corrales will join us. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who would you choose to start a franchise? What's been wrong with Tatum? Why do the Celtics switch so much? We dig into it all and preview tonight's game coming up here on Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day. You can subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell right, that button I just pointed at. You can also follow on all of the providers. We are free and available for you every day. Uh, I got a funny that I'll share with you. And then I'll explain a little bit of a different show today. So a bunch of people are getting their Spotify raps. Send them to me. I super appreciate it. It's really cool to see. Thank you for being loyal listener. Um, my daughter, who sits in the other room almost every morning having breakfast, trying to get ready for school while her dad obnoxiously does this podcast, looked at me the other day and was like, I should certainly get like a rap for your show because I've heard more additions than anyone in the world. I don't think it was said with like the most positive thought to all of it, but I thought it was a kind of a funny little interplay uh, the other day. All right, here's what we're doing today. Uh, John Corral is going to join me. We're going to go for about 20 minutes, preview tonight's game. A lot of fun. Um, I bust him at the end of the conversation uh, about something he said on Locked on NBA that had some Jazz fans fired up. It's kind of funny. Um, we dig into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Celtics switch pick and roll more than any team in the NBA, and it surprises me, so we dig into that. So we get really good, fun preview, and John's, John's one of our great talents on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is the first of an interesting stretch. When we talked about this yesterday. I just wanted to review it. So in our next, six, our, our next eight games, the defensive ratings of the teams we play are fourth, fifth, seventh, 15th, Philadelphia, who's way better than that. That's just because Embiid was out. 10th, 3rd, 14th, and 10th. Then we play the Hornets who are 24th, Timberwolves who are 7th. So really, in our next six games, really seven, we're playing top first, top half, really top 10 defenses. And so this will be a huge stretch to find out if the offense is as good as it has been, which is historically great. And we're going to know. So on December 18th, when we're finished with the Washington Wizards, where is the defensive rank? If we're still number one, we will be, uh, we're, we're golden. Uh, and that's, I think, what we have to do. If you look at uh, Taylor Snar, local Utah guy, his dad, Mike Snar, worked for the Jazz for a long, long time. Rating system, he has the Jazz, he has it broken down by strength of schedule. Our strength of schedule of offenses, we've of uh, defenses we've played is 22nd. Our strength of schedule of offenses is 30th. Our overall strength of schedule is now 30th in the NBA. Um, the offenses we're playing here are 21st, 22nd, 19th, 11th, probably better because Embiid was out, 
20th, 25th, 24th, and 20th. So in the next, you know, seven games, eight games, we're playing all teams are in the bottom half. Our strength of schedule uh, from offenses will probably stay there. The defense now really gets to prove itself. We're, we go into this stretch ranked seventh. Okay. Uh, tonight, no Jalen Brown. We'll get to the impact with John Corrales. It's interesting. They're 21st in the league offensively, fourth defensively. Their leading scorers are Jason Tatum and Dennis Schroeder, both of them historically unbothered by Rudy. Dennis Schroeder particularly has not had problems with Rudy. So that's worth keeping an eye on. Um, they're a very, very good first quarter team. They've been a very, very bad uh, fourth quarter team. So let's, we'll keep an eye And Excuse me, they're a bad first quarter team and a bad fourth quarter team. 26 in first quarters, 28th in fourth quarters. Um, so let's, we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens. Um, but to me, the big story just for the next two weeks is, you know, our offense getting tested and whether it's, whether it's really good enough and let's hope last year was number one in the league, but it's different to be number one in the league against the bad teams. It's really the issue is Can you play well against the good teams? All right. Points gained Friday. We're going to do that now so we can get to John because I didn't want to let, you know, we do points gained on Fridays. We usually do it in our last segment of the show. Um, Points gained is an offensive metric system that I've built that we use to judge offensive players and their impact in the game. The idea is you take a player's scoring opportunities, compare what they do in those scoring opportunities against league average, and that's the amount of positive points they are per game. Over the years, uh, it gets there eventually. Over the years, our numbers have been uh, usually one or three guys that are three or better. Last year, Steph was the best in the league at four. Um, in 1920, uh, James Harden was best at 3.3. We had four guys over three. In 1819, uh, Giannis Kumbo was the best in the league at 3.6. We had three guys over three. And then we have right around 10 guys over two, usually. So it's a little more right now. We have uh, somewhere in around 20 players in the range of over two. One jazz player who's playing much better than I think anyone realizes. And then uh, we have two players at four and about five players at three. So it'll eventually uh, even out as time goes on. So the number one offensive player in the NBA right now, according to points gained, is a tie between Nikola Jokic and Kevin Durant. Just so you understand the system, Nikola Jokic uses 20 scoring opportunities a night. In those 20 scoring opportunities, he's four points better than the average player in the NBA or if an average collection of average players use those 20 possessions, he's a plus four. That's mammoth. Durant's a plus four. Super impressive. Rashawn Holmes is plus 3.9. Rudy Gobert's plus 3.8. Jared Allen's plus 3.7. Montrezl Harrell's 3.6. Okay, Sacramento has not, but Utah, Cleveland, Washington are all winning. All their teams are pretty good. The value of somebody who gets to the rim and dunks right now in this league is getting bigger and bigger because there's fewer and fewer rim shots. Steph Curry is next at 3.5, 3.4, and then we get into the twos. Pretty good run here, but the last name is the most interesting. Carl Anthony Towns at 2.9 as Minnesota really starts to win. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 2.5. Harrison Barnes and John Collins also at 2.5. Seth Curry at 2.4. Giannis, 2.3. Robert Williams, who we'll see tonight, who's really pretty good. He's one of the best pick-and-roll defenders in the league. He and Marcus Smart are the best pick-and-roll defensive combo in the NBA. Rudy Gaze at 2.3, Zubak 2.2, DeAndre Ayton 2.2, huge part about Phoenix. We'll dig into Phoenix in a second. Port, Portland's Norm Powell 2.2, Sabonis 2.1. A 
Zach Levine and Mike Conley are 2.0. Mike Conley is having an incredible season. Uh, 50% from the field, 44% from three, 2.0 on points game. Really awesome. Boyan Bogdanovich is as well at 1.7. We'll dig into the Jazz here in a second. Here are the players who are having the biggest negative impact on the league. Michael Porter Jr., who was hurt. Jalen Suggs. These are usually rookies and not surprising. Sadiq Bey. Not a great time for Detroit in his second season. Cade Cunningham. Uh, uh, Nikel Alexander-Walker, Precious Atua, Darius Baisley, Josh Giddy. Oh, my gosh, Oklahoma City. What did you do last night? Kevin Porter, Karis LeVert, who's terribly overrated, and Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is having a brutal season, minus 2.3. 31% from three, 50% from the field. Excuse me, 39% from the field, 31% from three. Score the free throw line 9% of the time. He's averaging 24 Inefficient points a game. Nikola Vucevic minus 2.1. DeJounte Murray minus 2.1. That's a big issue there. Blake minus 2.1 out of the rotation. Davion Mitchell minus 2. Kobe White minus 2. Any other interesting names as we move down into the minus 1.5 area? De'Aaron Fox minus 1.5 is not great. D'Angelo Russell minus 1.5. Jordan Clarkson minus 1.5. All right, let's look at Utah and let's look at Phoenix today to see kind of what's going on. Here's Utah. Gobert, 3.8. Gay, 2.3. Conley, 2.0. Bogdanovich, 1.7. Ingles, 1.0. Really terrific. Whiteside's 0.7. Royce is 0.5. The goal when you build a team is to have all of your players above average. If you have all of your players above average, then when the ball's taken out of your primary guy's hands, you still get a win on that possession, and eventually your guy gets his possessions. They always do. Trent Forrest actually at 0.4. Eric Pascal's even. Donovan is a minus 0.5. And Jordan Clarkson's a minus 1.5. So those two guys we need to get going. Jordan's been a little better recently. Last five games, 46% from the field, 46% from three. And Donovan's got to get going. Like the fact that we're 14 and seven, but they're, you know, if we, a stretch where we didn't play well and lost two games, frankly, Donovan wasn't very good. Donovan has played better this year. We're 16 and five. We're 17 and four, right? That's that's the reality of the burden that he carries at 22 scoring opportunities a night. He's getting 22 scoring opportunities a night. Oyan's getting 14. Rudy and Mike get about 10. And Jordan Clarkson takes 15. How come Phoenix and Golden State can't lose? Do they fit the model? <clears throat> Here's Phoenix. Eight and 2.2. McGee, 1.9. Bridges, 1.4. Kaminsky is now hurt, 1.4. Chris Paul, 0.8. Devin Booker, just 0.5. Cham at even. Cameron Johnson, even. Jay Crowder, minus 0.5. And Cameron Payne, minus 1. Those two are below average. Which is, that's actually, 1.5 is a decent amount. It's, it's you know, they're getting a lot out of DeAndre Ayton and some of those other guys. And at minus 1.5, they get that negated. The Warriors... Steph Curry's at 3.4. Gary Payton the seconds at 1.6. Poole, 1.1. Porter, 1.1. Wiggins, 1.0. Draymond, 0.5. This is how you build a team right here. Lascano Anderson, 0.3. Bielitsa, 0.2. Damon Lee, even. Kevon Looney, even. The, o- the only guy that's negative, they don't have one. And this is why 
when you have Steph doing 3.4 and Jordan Poole giving you a one, Otto Porter giving you one, and then everybody else is even, that's where you become pretty unstoppable. That's the model. And the you know, and I missed badly on the Warriors, largely because I had Wiseman, Moody, and Kamunga playing, and they're not playing. John Corrales joins us next. We'll dig in, have some fun. Jalen Brown out the impact of that. They're much less good defensively. They'll switch a ton. The Marcus Smart, Robert Williams pick and roll defense is number one in the league. We're going to dig into all those things, preview tonight's game. For you, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdochs have vowed that they will not increase MSRP right now in this car shortage. And in fact, things are turning around. If you're looking for a car, great things are happening over at Hyundai. Here's the latest word, and it's pretty... Um, pretty exciting stuff if you're looking for a car. First off, the you know the Hyundai cars are outstanding. We have two Santa Fe's ourselves, and there are nine, 36 Santa Fe's coming in, 21 currently available. Tucson's 34 coming in, 13 currently available. Palisades, 20 coming in, two available. Okay, it's not perfect, but that car is under high demand. It's the nicest big SUV out there on the market, and people are digging it. I'm driving the Sonata right now. There's eight incoming and three available, and the launchers have 11 incoming and five available. Right now is a great time to trade in your used car and get a new one. Called, Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I will set you up with uh, our uh, VIP treatment at any of the locations. Just let me know if you're going to the Logan store, if you're going to the Linden store, if you're going to 4646 South State Street, and we'll set you up and give you that great experience over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need, or even allows you to negotiate better deals. Truebill, neat, good app. I downloaded it the other day. Get an experience, find out what it's like for you. Does a lot. The big thing they're talking about is their subscriptions, but they also organize all your payments, what categories your payments are in, lets you know when big payments are coming, lets you know if big payments went out to make sure it's okay. It's really nice. Average people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, and Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. Truebill is over 2 million users and has helped save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA could save you 1000 a year. Whoa! Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. All right, costume switch time. A little Locked On crossover edition before the Friday night Jazz Celtics game. Celtics fans, nice to meet you. I'm David Locke. Jazz fans, you know who I am. I'm your first listen. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a good friend of mine who's been with our network from the very, very beginning. His name is John Corrales. He's hosted Locked On Celtics since I was walking around a softball field sitting on some bench in some far off. <laughs> and Jay King into coming on the network. John Corrales, let's do a little crossover today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wow, man. this It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, all right. Hey, look, first things first, no Jalen Brown. Yeah, is, so we, yeah, I was really surprised by that. He played against Philadelphia. I thought we were getting you at full strength. You don't seem so surprised in that from the first segment. No, I saw him. I was talking to my podcast uh, yesterday that I saw him a couple of times. He had one drive. You know, he, he goes down that little that little cleared pathway, and he, he's hopping along, and he's grabbing at his, his hamstring. And then it seems like it's okay, and 
the very, very last possession with the Celtics were, were just playing great. He's he's defending Embiid like he's going up against a blocking sled. I mean, he's really hammering Embiid. And at the end, when everybody's celebrating, he's off in a corner kind of hopping up and down. And so I knew I, I'm not I wouldn't even say that I'm surprised that he's gonna miss this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gonna miss this next game. I'm wondering when or if he's gonna play on this road trip. That's that's what I think. So doing the prep that I do, I saw that Jason Tatum actually plays better when Jalen Brown is off the floor than on the floor this year. <laughs> Jason Brown is on the floor. Jason Tatum shoots 36% and 23% from three. And when Jalen Brown is off the floor, he shoots 42%, 35% from three. Not great, but better. He actually scores more in the same amount of time. Um, why is that? And does this free Jason Tatum in some way? Well, I mean, part of it is they need him to score more when Jalen is out. So that's some of it. Some of it's you don't get into quite the same rhythm. And some of it is that they haven't played the same. Uh, they haven't played together um, in this manner. You know, usually there's been a, you know, a Kemba or even a Kyrie. This is their first kind of go around together. And they're both being challenged to become playmakers. And then Jalen's missed, you know, almost half the season with, with this hamstring issue. So they're, they're still a very much a work in progress together. I think last night uh, against Philly, I saw them run two pick and rolls together, which is as many as they've run together all season, I believe. So they're, they're slowly trying to work those guys together. So when Jalen's out, it's Dennis Schroeder that, that comes in and, and does some scoring, but it's, it's, a lesser scorer and there's more role players shooter than come goes to the bench rather than comes off the bench. And who comes in, it's either Romeo who's not going to handle much of the scoring load is going to be Grant Williams. who's not going to handle much of the scoring load. So there is definitely more on Tatum. He has to do more to make up for Jalen's absence. So the jazz have the greatest defensive player in the world. Maybe the greatest defensive player this league has seen in like 20 traded for Draymond. Stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> But the Celtics don't go to the rim. They do not. At That's all. That's a problem. Actually, it might not be a problem considering right. that is there. But so Is uh, this the night of the year that the fact that the Celtics are allergic to the rim means that they don't have to venture into the mean, nasty place where women and children are not allowed to go by themselves, where school kids get eaten alive, called Gobert Land, which is the paint of the opposing team's offense inside Vivint Arena. So let me let me ask you this. Let let me flip it around on you. The Celtics are starting Robert Williams and Al Horford. Who is he going to guard? Is he guarding? Is he guarding Al? They're going to put. It feels like they're going to put him in pick and roll and try to pick and pop with Al and draw him out and maybe have Schroeder get to the rim that way. Schroeder, if Schroeder's starting, Schroeder gets to the rim. I wonder if they're going to try to pick and pop him out of the out of the paint a little bit. Or if he's going to guard Rob, then he's going to have to really, you know, I think that plays more into Gobert's strength for sure. But who is he going to guard? Well, I, I don't know the answer. Uh, first, the fact is that Rudy's having actually an unbelievable year in the pick and roll. Like if you Rudy's defending the pick and roll, whether it's pick and pop or that, that's actually not really that big a problem for Rudy anymore. He's gotten good enough at getting back after the shooter. Part of it is having a nine foot seven standing reach that you don't have to go as far as somebody else. Sure does and so by unless Schroeder's going to really be able to penetrate all the way in the lane get to the rim and throw back out to somebody Rudy's going to has been able to do that I think the numbers last I checked and I haven't checked it today 
They were at 0.75 points per pick and roll defensively anytime Rudy Gobert's involved. Last year when he had what was arguably the best defensive year anyone's had in maybe ever, he was at 0.85 points per pick and roll. So the way people have been able to try to attack Rudy is actually stretch him out on the weak side and then drive on the other side. But involving him in any actions is just not a very good idea. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, it is going to be tough for sure, no matter what happens with, with Gobert. You know, let me ask you this about Gobert, because this is a super interesting stat that I saw. This year, 28% of his offense is coming in the 3 to 10 foot range, which is seems to be like a new wrinkle. Now, I watched some of the Jazz earlier this season. I haven't watched in, in, in the past couple of weeks. Feels like the Jazz are trying to do a little more offensively, differently with with Gobert. It might be like a little more playoff type of Gobert offense. And he's shooting 52% in that 3-10 to 10 range. What's that about? So there's no question that the prop – Rudy's weakness is that when teams switch one through five, he gets a little on him. In this case, it would be Marcus Smart, who's not little, or Dennis Schroeder, who is probably little. And he doesn't take advantage of it. And that's right. – Certainly a major problem that the Jazz have to address. The, the misnomer on Rudy is that he actually gets played off the floor defensively. That's really not true at all. The problem the Jazz have defensively is when someone goes one through five out, can guys actually guard their yard? And not enough of our guys guard their yard and didn't against the Clippers. The problem is on the offensive side when teams switch, and, I, and I'm guessing you're aware of this, but the Boston Celtics switched the second most of any team in the NBA. So we, like will see that, we will see that tonight, uh, is when you switch one through five and suddenly Conley comes off the pick and Dennis Schroeder or Marcus Smart is now guarding Rudy Gobert. Rudy's got to be able to get into the lane and punish them. And that's something he just has not been able to do, and they're trying to do more of it. He did a pretty nice job in the Olympics in a very different game with only five fouls and not always against NBA players when he did it for France, and they're hoping to parlay that in. And frankly, Rudy wants more. Like, Rudy wants more. Rudy wants the ball more. He wants to be more involved. He wants to be more active on the offensive end. He's not content with just being a pick-setting defensive player. One thing to watch for in that one through five switching is the Celtics are getting a lot better at scramming and pre-switching. So you have a situation where maybe you're looking for a certain mismatch. You're starting to get into, you can, they, they can see that the jazz, okay, here they come. They're going to, they're going to pick on this. They want this pick and roll. We're going to pre-switch this, whoever they're targeting out. So now you're involving different defenders in the pick and roll and Rudy is switching on to somebody else. So for example, Schroeder is a guy they want to pick on. They pre-switch smart. And now all of a sudden you're involving, it's too late. You're in the, you're in the action. You're involving smart and smart against the big is not the mismatch that most bigs think that, that it is. So uh, very curious to see how the Celtics attack with the switching and, and what they do pre-switching some of these actions as, as they see what, what uh, the jazz are trying to do. I, I will say that the Celtics defense has gotten a lot more intricate in a very short span. And like they, they started the season, the first couple of weeks of the season and every story around here was, Oh, you switch so much. Why do you switch so much? And it was basically him just flooding them with the, this is how you switch kind of mentality, put that into their DNA. And then he, he, folded in all of this more traditional stuff. And now 
they've got a handle on all this more traditional stuff because that was second nature, right? That all that traditional defense is all second nature to these guys. He got them to do the uncomfortable stuff first and get comfortable with that. Now you work the other comfortable stuff in, and now they can do it, you know, a, a lot more easily. So, so the way they defend Utah is going to be really interesting. Well, it's really interesting because this begin the Jazz. So the Jazz are the number one offensive team in the NBA. The the talking point here has been how far off the offense is because they haven't been hitting threes. The way they've been the number one offense in the league is the offensive rebound. They go to the free throw line. They're number one in the league shooting at the rim. They're number one in the league shooting on the floaters. And they're number like three in the league on long twos. And they take the most three. They take the fewest of those of anyone in the league. They take the most threes. So it's an interesting combination. I actually think it's analytically the perfect way to play basketball in this right. day and age. What's, what's also interesting about them, they're not just the number one team in the league offensively. They're historically great. They're nine points above average. There's the last team to be nine points above average was the 72 Warriors. And then you have to go back a little bit from that. But they haven't played elite defensive teams. And this begins a stretch of playing elite defensive teams. So we'll continue with John Corrales on our crossover and figure out whether the Jazz have the offensive firepower to dislodge the Celtic defense. And then the Celtics defense has one really big problem they have to address. And we'll touch on that when we continue here on Locked on Jazz Celtics or Locked on Celtics Jazz, whichever way you prefer. Either way, thanks for making your first listen of the day. I costume switched back to what I was wearing earlier in the show. Funny how that works. The miracle of nothing. Uh, but I did want to make sure you knew about Bill Bar. Uh, John probably could have told you about Bill Bar too. Both of us heavy regular users of the great Bill Bar. I'm telling you what, coconut brownie chunk is still there. I'm telling you, I love it. Caramel macchiato, brand new, available for you as well. Caramel almond delight, brand new. White chocolate cheesecake, blueberry muffin, paranormal pumpkin. If you have not had these puffs, they're crazy. Coconut marshmallow puff. They're like little marshmallow goodness. And they're a protein bar. I, I don't know how they do this. I'm not going to ask. It's just too good. I don't want to know. 100% real, real chocolate, 100% delicious. It's Built Bar. Promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off. If you have not had the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, you have not had a full protein bar experience. It, I, I promise. In fact, order them. If you don't like them, I'll come pick them up because I love them. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, 4 sugars, Six, five, or 17 grams of protein. That assumes you actually live somewhere close. Um, stop by, figure it out. Go to built.com, check them all out, see all the puffs, see the caramel almond delight, and go and get your built bar today. Use the promo code LOCK15. The old school flavors are feeling unloved coconut and mint brownie, and coconut almond, and salted caramel, and raspberry, and double chocolate, and cookies and cream, and cherry barcia. They all still exist as well. So you don't need to forget them. And there's the bites and the boost and the broth. It's all at built.com. Promo code LOCKED15 will get you 15% off. Welcome to continuing edition of the crossover. I don't do crossovers very often. It's a big deal. It's got to be really special to do a crossover. Marta, Adam Morris and I do crossovers every now and then. Like I can't do crossovers with Brendan Clean because he's been too obnoxious about how good he's done. Can't have that. Can't yeah. have by the way, oh, I actually have something that Jazz fans need. Oh, I forgot. Before this show is over, there's like a beef that Jazz fans have with you that I have to like straighten <laughs> out. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. I must have said something on Lockdown NBA that pissed people off. And they're bitter and they don't forget. Okay, 
Back to the note I had a minute ago. This is pretty interesting. All right, <laughs> All right hit me. Going back, this is Ben Dowsett had this. I had it too, but he did the research. So the Jazz right now are 8.6 points above league average offensively. The last team to be better than that was the 04-05 Suns, who are 8.9, and the 03-04 Mavericks, who were 9.1. That's first season. This is short term. And the Jazz start a stretch here of 10 games for really the whole month where they play top half defensive teams. And so, <clears throat> frankly, from a Jazz standpoint, this is the first of a stretch of about 13 games where if the offense is still number one in the league on January 1st, like they're great. Like they actually deserve to be. Right now, I don't think they've done enough. The last team, the 09-10 Suns were plus eight, and the 15-16 Warriors were plus 8.3. So the last time we saw a team this far above average was the 15-16 Warriors. Now, for all the greatness of the Celtic defense, when Jalen Brown is on the floor, your defense is a 99.8. And when Jalen Brown is off the floor, your defense is a 108.6 and in the 50th percentile. That would be the big little problem that the Celtics have going into tomorrow night. They lose one of the great defenders in the league when Jalen Brown doesn't play. It's so interesting that that's the case because he didn't play for a long stretch in that in that Celtics kind of like when they started flipping it around and they started climbing in the defensive rating. So that almost – I'm very curious to see how that makes sense. I mean, he's obviously a very good defender. Like, that's very obvious. Um, and, and the Celtics, because they're very switchable and because of his size and his athleticism, he makes – you know, it's one thing to switch with Jalen Brown versus Dennis Schroeder, who starts generally in Jalen Brown's place. So, yes, that, that makes sense. Also, maybe some of that is the Celtics have had – God awful first and fourth quarters, and and that has something to do with it. And but I think they're they're they've gotten maybe a little bit past some of that first quarter kind of uh, issues. We'll see. Uh, going up against Utah is going to be the huge huge test. But after typically falling behind big in first quarters, the Celtics in their last couple of games, Toronto and Philly have had leads in first quarters. Uh, Emi Odoka after the San Antonio game where they just got blitzed out of the gates said, look, these guys are out there trying to find their rhythm in the first quarter and we need them to be playing the right way from, from jump. And since then they, they kind of have been trying to have that ball movement. So I don't know. It's, it's that, that stat kind of in some ways makes sense, but I, I don't understand why it's, it's that bad. Like their defense without Jalen I've seen has been, has been actually pretty good the one i thought the one hole you were going to talk about is the the celtics do give up a ton of offensive rebounds if the jazz get a ton of points off of offensive rebounds that's going to be where you kill the celtics like second chance points have been a real problem for the celtics this season so uh i, I think if you're getting putbacks then then that's where you're gonna have to hang your head in this game all right john help me out because this is so interesting to me if i look at a team with robert williams and al horford I yeah. would think to myself, okay, that team doesn't switch. They drop the big. They they seal the middle of the floor. They deny the paint. And they kind of play that analytical style defensively. And then they rebound the crap out of the ball. And they run with Brown, Schroeder, and Tatum, who are fast. That would be like, if I look at your roster, that's how I would guess you play. Yet the data tells me you switch a lot. You allow offensive rebound. Like it's very contrary to what I look when I look at the roster of why it is that way that they're playing the way they do. Work in progress. Just the work in progress. These guys are 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 really 
November is, you know, it's, it's shown to be a very uh, nice turnaround defensively, offensively. They're still way, way, way behind. And we knew coming in that they weren't going to be a great offensive team, but defensively there there is still some, uh, a lack of continuity because Jalen's been out and and they have had some issues. Uh, The, the, the rebounds, guards, wings tend to turn and look and you get crashes from the corners that, that end up getting becoming put back. So yeah, Rob, Rob boxes out, Al boxes out. Uh, and, and somebody comes in and keeps the ball alive or, or taps the ball out. So th- there hasn't been like a big group defensive rebounding effort. Uh, a lot of like, they, they, they'll get a lot of rebounds. Jason uh, Tatum had 16 rebounds against the, the Sixers, but you know, how many of those are really like fighting for rebounds? The the Sixers shot thirty seven percent, so there's going to be like a lot of rebounds. It's like the the nineteen sixties, like when guys were averaging twenty five and thirty rebounds. Well, yeah, they took one hundred and ten shots a game, so there there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. So I think some of the Celtics' defensive rebounding numbers might be just a touch inflated. What's wrong with Jason Tatum? Oh, good question. No one knows. Um. So I think I think honestly, there's there's a combination of things. Um, I think he came into the season with a mindset of like, okay, I'm finally gonna just get to the rim. I'm gonna draw those fouls. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. And then the referees in the first 20 games of the season were like, now nah, we're not calling anything. And he got really, really, really frustrated by that. And that fed into the spiral um, on top of it. He's being challenged to do something that he's totally uncomfortable with passing the ball at the level that Amy Odoka wants him to pass is uncomfortable against Toronto. He had 50 some odd passes, 58 passes in the game where he's normally passing it like 42, 43 times. He had uh, like 15 potential assists where he normally has like seven or eight he was really whipping it around. And Udoka says that was his best game of the year. That's how he wants him to play. So he's he's a natural ISO scorer being asked to play up tempo and, and whip the ball around and give it up as soon as he smells a double team. And then he's already frustrated by not getting foul calls and not being able to get into a rhythm early in the season. I think he's just fed this kind of level of discomfort where he just has never been able to get fully kind of comfortable in in his offensive game I think it's going to take a little bit longer we've seen him start slow before I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to just get comfortable with the level of passing when to pass when to cut because when you pass now you have to become a better cutter because you give the ball up and heads naturally turn now you got to go and he doesn't go that's like the next thing he can get a ton of easy baskets and get into rhythm that way so he's a 23 year old being asked to to do something that's just been kind of foreign to him and it's it's basically been disruptive and uncomfortable that's particularly interesting to hear because uh i remember scal last year might have been unlocked on celtics might have been just in conversation saying like when asked what was wrong with the celtics he's, well they don't pass like none of these guys know how to pass they don't pass so right. you know it sounds like a is right in what he's asking them to do to solve the problem from a year past here's the thing with the celtics you've got jalen brown and jason Tatum, and i said early on on the podcast, this is a, an evaluation year, right? What, what do you have with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? And this is where you've got to make this decision. 
do you have in them your one and one A? Do you have a guy in Tatum that's your MVP candidate that you need? Do you have Jalen Brown, that one A scoring option? And do you go and get like a Drew Holiday type of deal like Milwaukee did? Or are they just two guys who are just great ISO scorers and you need to get a third star that puts it all together? That's what the evaluation of this team is this year. And Ime's challenge to Jason Tatum is, if you are going to be that MVP candidate, yeah, you can go and drop your 30 and 40 point nights, but the MVPs make their teammates better. And you're not doing that yet. We need you to do that. And that's the challenge of the season. So this season isn't even about necessarily the wins and losses, which I mean, every season is about wins and losses, but for the, you know, the higher ups, this is about what do we truly honestly have with these two wings and how do we build towards the future? That's the only question that they need to answer right now. Uh, who do you think is better? Like if I had to choose one, I know who I would choose. Well, look, I think, I think Tatum is more dynamic. He just is capable of a lot more. Jalen Brown is a hard worker who is, um, who can do like he can defend more. He's, I think he's, he's worked himself into uh, a great spot. I think Tatum is a more naturally better basketball player. I think Brown has made bigger strides in the NBA. So it's hard for me to say, but like if I had to pick one, I'd still say Jason Tatum is just naturally gifted a better basketball player. I'm on the other side. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's a, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, God damn you. Like, it's a, no, I, I can see that. I can see that argument. But I think just smoothie, ca casually, like just no rules, no nothing, go out there and play. I think Tatum wins. And But look, Brown, and this is to Brown's credit, he has worked himself into this conversation because his, his rookie year to now is just such a vast improvement. It's been, it's, it's super impressive. I made the mistake of putting him in a box early on. I'm not going to make that mistake again. You want to say that Jalen Brown's better? I'm, I, it's hard for me to argue and get into one of those like sports talk radio, like screaming matches. Like, yeah. Okay. That's a fair, fair argument. All right. We All got right. a grip on the Celtics. What do your fans need to know about the jazz before we wrap this up? Um, uh, okay. Uh, how, how's Rudy Gay? How's he helping? Uh, he's, well, he's decided that this idea that Jordan Clarkson can shoot like every time down is super cool and he's trying it himself and he's not missing. So it's working really well. But the other night for the first time, like in eons, somebody had taken more shots in the same amount of minutes as Jordan Clarkson. And I actually didn't know that that was humanly possible. Um, cause Jordan is, um, I loved it. Um, uh, Somebody, you know, some people say you're open when you, when you get off the bus, like, well, he thinks he's open when he gets off the bus. Uh, Luke Walton said that Jordan Clarkson thinks he's hot when he gets off the bus. <laughs> um, Rudy Gay has been great. He's only played seven games. He is shooting lights out 52% for the four, 53% from three. He's figuring it out. He doesn't quite know the offense yet. He's six eight. He can rebound. You know, he's 36 years old. So what will the 36 year old Rudy Gay be able to do defensively? I don't entirely know, but he does like, there is something to having a six, eight shooter. They can get the shot off at all times. They always have a shooting window. That's been evident. And he is a ball mover, and I'll give him great credit. I admire and love players like this in this league. He loves the game. And that's why he's still playing at 36 years old with a few hundred million in the bank because he loves the game and he's become a chameleon as a player and he's figuring out how in 24 minutes do I help this team win. And it's pretty cool to see that 
particularly out of a guy who was labeled early in his career just as a scorer who didn't have that to him. And there's certain guys who can do it and certain guys who can't. It's pretty cool to watch a guy do that. All right. Before before I figure out why Jazz fans hate me, um, let's quickly answer this. If the Jazz lose this game, why? Uh, one through five switching defense stymies the offense and the ball stops moving. They play ISO and don't get good look threes. All right. Very simple. Uh, why do you hate Hassan Whiteside so much? <laughs> really? Is that why Jazz fans are are mad at me for Hassan Whiteside? Oh my God. Okay. Hassan Whiteside. Let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there. It's the best ending ever. We'll just. We'll never, ever answer the question because I'm not sure it's worthy of an answer. That is Locked On Celtics. That is Locked On Jazz. Thanks for making us the first listen. Tweet John Corrales at that little logo, at John underscore Corrales, if you really need to know. Have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a really good one. Adios. And now make Locked On Bets your second listen of the day with Lee Sterling and your boy Q setting you up for all the gaming you need over the weekend. Have a great one, everyone.